Uh, at the top of this, I do want to apologize for basically since the start of the year we have we've had a wonky update schedule because of first the the Christmas Carol episode and then the and then I got sick last week and it just would have been terrible audio because I'd be like, okay, so tip out and then it will blow my nose and cough. <laughs> just eight minutes of trumpet elephant ASMR. Are people into that? I don't, I don't know. I don't claim to know what people are into, you know? I feel like nose noises are the worst. I, I, I agree with you completely, 100%. Sorry, give me a sec. Nose noises. Oh, I, man, woof. I regret that. I regret, close tab. Already, yeah. Close tab. Nope, I'm good. <laughs> that was not a productive search, and, um... So the Lion King. <laughs> Welcome to Direct Video. Well, yeah. A podcast where we pair bad movies like Fine Wine. Movies like Fine Wine. We can't call yeah. these bad movies. Especially not the Lion well, King. Well, we can call one of them uh, not bad, but Andy definitely not. Look, it's not a great movie. It's 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 not like it's going to go down in history as one of the greatest movies ever. But it is a good movie, and I enjoy it. I didn't hate it this time, which is, yeah. I think, all I can say about it. You didn't hate it on the second watch? I feel like I tolerated it more. I'll say this. There were bits of it. There were, like, jokes that didn't quite land, and there was, like, uh, basic, like, cinematography choices that were made that I wouldn't have made. But other than that, I think it holds up. Yeah, you know, it's fine. It's... I mean, did it make me cry? I'm not gonna say that out loud yes what yeah. yeah part of it made me cry I'm... i don't know why i don't know if i was like tired or like mid yawn or something and i had just watched the lion king so i may have been pretty primed already because yeah. the lion king does make me cry every fucking time and i don't care who knows about it but the bit where uh <laughs> the <laughs> because <laughs> this is exactly the, the the framing of this scene is exactly a scene the Lion King it's the uh, can you feel the love tonight thing mm-hmm. and the middle of it's like this whole cartoony thing but the beginning and end are these two basically Simba's two dads sad that he's gonna leave and it made me sad <laughs> I remember you and I actually liking that the last time we talked about it was that okay? That was I. Th- I don't. Re- it got that was so long ago. It was so long ago, and I could like I could like vaguely remember thoughts I had last time. I remember being really angry last time, and I don't know why. Like like watching it again, that all of that emotion, all of that like like I this I was just kind of just like it was like being on a roller coaster ride for kids, you know? <laughs> okay, yeah. Like well, that's that's right. the thing. Like um. Like, there's a scene, you know, why don't we actually start the real podcast and then we can get into it. Do we want to talk about The Lion King? Because we talked about The Lion King a lot. But but I will say that, like, this movie had a budget of $45 million, which is a lot for, you know, but it's an animated movie. But its box office was $968.5 million, which is... Holy fuck. <laughs> which is so much. It, it That's almost a billion dollars in the 90s. That's insane. It is one of Disney's, like, biggest things that they ever did and i think i think it earns that no wonder it got two sequels 
<laughs> I think I, I honestly think it has uh, two of the best. No, as one, it uh, its sequels are top tier, but Cinderella, I think beats them for best we've, possible sequel and we've that's gotta what, watch these cinderella sequels you keep talking up to me i uh i i think, I, I really dislike lying i still dislike lion king 2 for like trying to be lion king and failing at it that's my issue with it and i still think that that's a bit unfair maybe it's hottest line it has the hottest line uh i think nala might be the hottest lion i understand where you're coming from but like have you seen nala we had this conversation before. We did. We've, um, and I don't. We're, we're did I tell have you to that my to... mom and aunt listen to this now? Oh, great! You know, so that's fun. This is good. Hi, mom. It, hello. I feel put on the spot. Actually, like now, I feel. Andy wrote that joke. Yeah, that they're that they're gonna think that I'm I'm eliciting this from you. Think nothing. They're gonna know. We we no. Mm. I think we can both blame other people for our respective awful, terrible jokes. I'm going to blame Emma, personally. That's fair. Do we want to talk about Lion King? We do talk about Lion King a lot. Uh, I feel ba- I feel weird not spending a bunch of time on it, but I feel like that's what we should do. I want to go over it because we've never like, formally gone through the Lion King. Yeah, yeah, for like sure. Said, we talked cause... about the musical and we... Or the Broadway and version, and we talked about... Like, we talked about possibilities with the live-action version, I think. Yeah, a lot of my hopes have been kind of elevated, and a lot of my fears have been maybe not completely gotten rid of, but I'm I'm excited about what the movie could be. I'm adopting a wait-and-see approach. I'm still miffed about Seth Rogen as Pumbaa. Don't eh. like this. Pumbaa's the smart one, okay? That's the thing. <laughs> I think it's a tragedy that you can call any of these characters the smart one. How dare you? They are well-meaning, which I think is better than intelligence in their case. Is that a burn? Did I? Was that a burn? Well, but the but the the okay. I feel like the established connection of Timon and Pumbaa is Pumbaa's like actually smarter than Timon, but Timon has this confidence. He's the con man, you know. Yeah, where he like acts like he's smarter than Pumbaa. I feel like that's part of the joke of their dynamic. Yeah. Let's go through the Lion King. Let's go through the Lion King. So this first scene is the, I think it's no, I'm the not gonna do apex it. <laughs> of animal animation. Yeah, I don't know the lyrics, and I, I, I don't. I, I would definitely I, not be able to. <laughs> I, I don't want to. Yeah, like the. I'm not gonna pretend to know Swahili and sing the beginning of that song. Is it Swahili? Uh-oh. Okay. I believe it's Swahili. I have to double check that. So it's a beautiful song. Every song in this movie is amazing although i like be prepared Ugh. i'm impressed uh, by be prepared that was so dismissive You're like, Ugh. <laughs> did i say the apex of animal animation yeah this you is did like the best animated animals i have ever seen if you go to a zoo you will see animals that just look like this and move like this it it like everything from just like how their shoulders like shift and move to how they run and play with each other is like and they have them coming together in this huge group that just looks amazing. It's kind of uh, awe-inspiring. Like, like mm-hmm. when I was a kid, watching that scene of the animals, like, assembling around Pride Rock was one of the, like, most stunning, beautiful things I had seen in a movie as a kid. Yeah. Like, it's just inspirational. And the 
the symbolism of you know like the rising sun and you know uh, the child being born it's a new day for for the kingdom because there's Mm -hmm. a prince now it's it's all there and it's all just like compact contained you get what's happening here yeah so simba's got this uh presentation i think they call it the presentation and he does this this whole like there's like a rafiki anoints him and mm-hmm. I'm not going to describe all the characters because you know them, right? If you're listening to this podcast, you've seen The Lion <laughs> I, King. <laughs> I certainly hope you've seen The Lion I don't know, maybe... Oh, God. Do, do you think it's it's possible that there are some people out there, maybe listening to this podcast, who are too young to have grown up with The Lion King? That's an insane that, thing that you just said. Is that a... I know, but is that a... Like, it's it's not probable... Anybody who has a kid now that would be too young to have grown up with the Lion King watched Lion King when they were kids, so I feel like they would show their kid the Lion King. Yeah, but like it, I saw of... Snow White when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm thinking it's like it's like one of those things, you know. Like my dad showed me a ton of movies when I was a kid, and I mm. liked half of them, and the other half I just ignored. I genuinely don't think a kid would ignore the Lion King. Yeah, I know it's like so, I, I tried know, to just... I tried to show my cousin Back to the Future and she fell asleep and I was like, okay, this is like a very eighties movie and maybe you don't relate to it very much, but the Lion King. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just a worry that I have, you know. We're not gonna talk about your misplaced worries about being old because that's what that sounds like. This is well, that's exactly what it is, you know. But so we get that great scene. The presentation is simple. Bam. Cut, smash cut lying the lion king Shoot them. yes what a cool memorable title sequence so so the next couple of scenes are 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 an introduction to to three pretty major players in the story well yeah to mufasa simba and scar right mm-hmm. you can make an argument for zazu but he's really a side character he really is a side character he's the royal squire right you know like he's important wait wait, 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 wait. he's the major domo andy fine fine he's not a squire he's a major domo there's a difference i'm gonna give me a sec major domo is it like a doorman (laughs) um i think it means advisor i've literally heard heard the word in lion king and read it in one book ever so (laughs) Mayor of the palace, Maltre d'Hotel. Oh, so he's fucking Lumiere. He's Lumiere. I thought Cogsworth was in charge. One of the two. Okay. Oh, no, it was Cog. It was... Hmm? Wait. So, in Beauty and the Beast, it says here that Cogsworth was Major Domo, but Lumiere is the Maitre d'Hotel, but they're both synonyms. All right. Which That's... explains probably why they bicker so much with each other. Okay, the chief steward of a large household, this says. Yes. That makes sense. So he's a glorified butler. He does all the stuff that the king can't do himself. I would say he's an Alfred-type character, but he really isn't, because we get two Alfred-type characters coming in later. Is that how we're defining them? Well, they're like, okay. all three of them together, I think, make one Alfred. Not everything needs to be a one-for-one comparison with I think, Batman. I think, I think Alfred is going to be my father figure measurement. Are you three Alfreds? But Zazu... Okay, Zazu's never a father figure, though. Yeah, he's like a .01 Alfred. <laughs> this is stupid. This is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, Zazu's morning report does have a lot of stupid animal puns in it. 
and I love it, but I'm glad yeah, it's, it's not pre- in the movie. It it's... stops the plot in its tracks. It's it's pretty good. I enjoy it. I told the elephants I told the elephants to forget about it, but they can't. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. We see uh Simba running and and going to get his dad who is sort of laying above all the lionesses. He mm-hmm. and Sarabi are laying above all the all the lionesses and Simba wakes them up cuz they're going out for their like he has promised Simba that they're going out today, and it's yeah. pretty clear that he's taking them out to start teaching about like what a king is and what a king does, and the fact that he is going to die someday, which is a conversation I personally have never had with my father, and I'm okay with that. Well, so but your father's not a king, right? That's true. Now my father is a king, and <laughs> I can say from experience, you got to have this conversation at a very young age, you know, in case of things like. Uh, assassination attempts yeah some war. kind of murderous uncle or hyenas yeah a war maybe some famine wildebeests religious smiting so my question is here where does scar sleep oh but doesn't he sleep inside of pride rock like underneath it does he like sort of like behind yeah like I there's don't know. like a there's like a cave under pride rock isn't there maybe just scar just hangs out there yeah they base he's basically in the basement <laughs> that that's i'm just I'm, re- I'm remembering that look of betrayal that mufasa has like he never saw this coming when scar <laughs> goes to kill him <laughs> i gave you a house you put me in the basement <laughs> like if oh. these two fought like regular brothers this wouldn't have happened so Mufasa is showing Simba the Pride Lands, you know, he's like, everything the sun touches, the light touches, the light touches will be yours someday or some such. I don't know, like the scene, the scene does a really good job of like showing us the, the father son relationship that Mufasa and mm-hmm. Simba have in a very short time span. It's gotta be in a short time span. This dude is run is living on yeah, he's time. Yeah, he's living. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but he gets the morning report, and uh, then Zazu tells him that there are hyenas in the hidelands, and he has to go chase them out. And he, he leaves Simba alone. So Simba goes to his other potential father figure at this time. His Uncle Scar. This is one of the great things about Disney villains. Like, you know Scar's evil. He is, like, positively oozing with contempt. It's so delightful. Scar is so good at being evil. <laughs> Excuse me for not leaping for joy. Bad back, you know. Every syllable that comes out of his mouth is preloaded with what feels like decades worth of loathing. And just contempt. The idea that he even has to interact with this fucking kid. <laughs> oh, man. And on top of that, a kid who's going to take his job. Mm-hmm. That he was all lined up to have. So he sends Simba out to uh, go check out the elephant graveyard. Because he knows Simba's gonna freaking die. And Simba, because he can't just endanger himself, goes and takes his best his friend His best Nala. friend Nala. His childhood best friend. And, and Sarabi makes them take Zazu. So they have to get rid of this... They gotta get rid of this, uh... 
Before we get into this scene, this I had guy. a random thought. Mm-hmm. Maybe a tradition that goes down generations of intermarriage should be ended. Because Zazu says that there's a tradition going back generations that means that those two are going to be married. <laughs> that sounds gross. They're lions. They're animals. They might be lions. They might be animals. They can still have birth defects, Andy. Yeah, and they do, but, It happens you know, all the time. Genetic diver- intro- the introduction of genetic diversity through mutation and a bunch of other stuff, you know, it's complicated. There's a reason why it's okay for animals sometimes. Do you actually know why? Because I, I learned about this. No, I don't. Uh, there was, like, a major extinction event early in human history. So humans are more related to each other than most other animals are. Hmm. So then if if we start, like, messing with cousins or siblings or whatever, we get birth defects way more often. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, there you have it. I'm just saying, felt kind of weird. I get No, I get your point, but it's... And th- then we get, um, I Just Can't Wait to Be King, which is a song that Simba threw together to get Zazu off of his back. It is a kick-ass song. Okay, but here's the thing about adulthood, right? I feel like adulthood is the moment when you start to side with Zazu over Simba. Because Zazu has some good fucking points. And Simba's a brat. Yeah, but right, but that's, that is the moral of this story. Yeah, and that that's, the, that's like, the moral specifically of this song. He's singing about the fact that his dad's gonna die and he doesn't realize it. It's interesting, right? Like, kids focus so much on the positive. Right. Right, that, that, that they're able to kind of just, like, ignore every... Like, to, to Simba, being an adult is just... Is being, is being independent. It's being able mm-hmm. to go where he wants, do what he pleases, and no one can tell him no. And that's such a, like, childish way of thinking about anything. But but it also sets up, like, like all of the morals that Simba is going to have to learn by the end of this movie. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, being an adult means being independent, but being independent doesn't mean those three things. It's it's a tough lesson to learn. And I think I think this, this song, while, like, it's such a, like, fun and uppity and bumpy song, uh, like, as a kid, it's priming you for for these lessons that he's going to have to learn. So they lose Zazu uh, underneath what seems to be a kingdom of animals. Yeah, he, he was eventually crushed by a rhino, and I assume dies, and then somehow <laughs> regenerates or gets cloned. Doctor Who's his way out of it. I was, I was just kind of going to let that one tangle. I, I, don't I had nothing. I had nothing. Okay, great. Um, I'm, like, I'm like, I feel like I'm all out of jokes today, but we'll, maybe we'll find some as we go along. I'll just stumble my way into some jokes. That's how you should do your podcast. So, uh, they can find the elephant graveyard. Oops, there's hyenas in it. Oops. Hey, the, the elephant graveyard is really well designed, but as a kid, I definitely did not appreciate all of the dead skin. And yeah. And that's, like, just part of the design. Like, this place sucks. It's, it looks like it smells. And there's also, like, these, like, vents of steam or, like, something. Yeah, and all like the little up bones that Nala starts sliding down. Like, this place, it's just, it's just rough here. It's very dire. It's, like, a very dire setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hy- they get picked on by these hyena, these three spotted hyenas, and... Simba basically is like, like this is my chance. I'm going to be brave and I'm going to do the thing. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and he uh, mules at them. A big part of Simba's character in this first act is that he keeps trying to be an adult and he's not. And one of the one of the ways this is sort of shown to us is that he can't roar yet. He mm-hmm. spends the whole first act trying to just be able to roar. Uh, thankfully, though, Zazu uh, was able to warn Mufasa. Yeah, so Zazu that. catches up with them. Tries to get them out before the hyenas get him. The hyenas get him, grab Zazu, put him in a vent, and shoot him into the air. Which is, I think, the most cartoon physics thing that happens in this movie. <laughs> uh. Uh, and I guess he gets back to- that shoots him back to Pride Rock fast enough to go get Mufasa. So Zazu di- has died twice already. <laughs> Zazu's died twice already. Zazu is some kind of minor god. I actually noticed this watching it. I thought this was interesting. Simba is always, like, wide-eyed and grinning in these scenes, and Nala is not. Like, she's clearly here just, like, following Simba and what he wants to do and is not as into it because she's not that, like, maybe foolhardy. But on the flip side of that, Simba does this cool thing where he attacks Shenzi when she's about to, like, kill Nala and get away for a bit. And then Mufasa shows up. So I don't know if that means anything. I just thought it was interesting. It's, it's good, like, character stuff that I notice on my 250th watch through. Well, because we know we know from, from a couple of scenes later that, like, that... Or from a couple of scenes earlier that mm-hmm. Nala is better at wrestling than Simba is. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to being in a position of of being in actual danger, right? Like, Simba has the the kind of naive optimism to act so they're both kind of like balance each other out he's he's got he's got this great unearned confidence that was a that was a line in the most recent good place episode and that's that's what it made me think of when i saw that mufasa shows up he he's he he gets simba for like a a sit down father son chat and oh there's that great scene with the paw print everybody loves mm-hmm. that scene oh yeah that scene is utterly fantastic. Great imagery. And he tells his son for the second time in a day that he's yeah. going to die. Like, for the second time that day, he's like, son, I'm going to die. I, I do like the, the 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 implication of how he phrases it, which it, it's not like just, it's not, it's not, I'm going to die. It's more, it's more so when I'm gone. And mm-hmm. you have to, like, and you have to step up and be the king and be a leader. All that's going to be left are the lessons that I've taught you, the lessons mm-hmm. that my father taught me, the lessons that his father taught him. Like, and all of it through this, like, metaphor, right, of, like, like the great kings of the past watch over us from the I stars. it was really interesting that he decided to do that, though, because what Simba asks is, we're always going to be together, right? Mm-hmm. And... I feel like most parents would say yeah in that situation and like leave it at that for a few years. But you're probably right. I mean, the whole time he's trying to teach his son how to be a king, how to be responsible for a kingdom. And the the importance of responsibility and the importance of remembering the lessons that he's being taught, you know, like internalizing them. So then we go see what the hyenas have been up to. And it turns out what they've been up to is regicide yeah or attempted regicide scar has tried to get them to kill simba and it didn't fucking take so now he's like 
you know what? We're gonna commit. We're gonna go for gold here. We're gonna would you please? We're gonna go for gold here. (laughs) We're gonna kill Mufasa, and he grabs this whole great evil song. It's amazing. It's my favorite song in the movie. What's your favorite song in this movie, Andy? Uh, definitely Hakuna Matata. You know. Okay. Chill. Just go with the flow. And I don't have a lot to say about this scene, but it is a very good use of an evil crescent moon. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. And you know, now that I say that out loud, the sort of parallelism between that and the beginning of the movie, which is the rising sun, mm-hmm. that's also very good. Yeah. He's casting a dark shadow mm-hmm. over a once bright kingdom. Dang. Dang, though. Fucking so, symbolism. So, Simbaism. <laughs> no, right, that, uh, stop it. That wasn't worth that. Okay. Oh, I know I'm laughing because I know it makes you ashamed. It does, though. <laughs> so Scar takes Simba out to fucking die in a canyon. He's like, stay here and definitely don't move. I'll go get your dad. Scar's got the perfect plan. He knows that Mufasa will do anything to save Simba, so he leaves Simba at the bottom of a cane. He's like, your dad's got a special, special surprise for you. What's it's the word he says? father-son thing. He, he uses a word to describe it that's, like, very foreshadow-y, and I forget. Oh, he says it's to die for. Yeah, that's it. It's to die for. Yes. Um, oh, I love Scar. But the plan is, get Simba to the bottom of the canyon, and the hyenas will stampede the wildebeest. Because all the wildebeest need to stampede is, like, a few people trying to eat them, which is fair. And then Scar will go get Mufasa, and Mufasa will die trying to save Simba. And there's a lot of moving parts in this plan, but the most important factor is it can't really be traced back to Scar. Yes, Scar is very good at pretending to be worried. Like, I found myself watching Scar this whole scene, and he never gives away the fact that this is all according to plan. Mufasa gets down there, grabs Simba, and I've watched this scene a lot of times. Just just a lot. Just a lot. And um, this time I found myself sort of watching it, seeing it as Mufasa. And I was trying to think of a worse feeling than desperately trying to make sure your son doesn't get trampled to death. Mm -hmm. And I think it can only be beaten out by murdered gleefully by someone you love. Because, man, has Mufasa had a bad day. There there is so much emotional through line running uh, this scene. From the beginning especially if you've seen this movie a lot of times, just Simba's kind of optimism and joy at, you know, like, oh, I'm going to get to hang out with my dad again today. Uh, all the way through, all the way to that final moment of betrayal. Not only that Mufasa feels, but that Simba ends up feeling because mm-hmm. of the way Scar kind of basically drills into his head, like, you did this. Hey, and uh, watching Simba try to awaken his dad's corpse, uh, oh, fuck. that fucking sucks. <laughs> That is the worst. It is. I think that is absolutely one of like the rawest anime, like one of the rawest scenes that Disney has animated. Yeah, because it's not like gory or anything. He's just not waking up. <sighs> Simba, oh, we need we need to go to the next scene, man. Bolts. Sim- Simba bolts. <laughs> he 
uh, you know, he... Run away and never return. To have an adult tell a child to... Oh my god, there's this, there's this... Okay, so there's this moment Mm -hmm. when Scar says, run, that Simba looks at his dad. Yeah. And I felt like watching it, I felt like it was almost like he wanted a second opinion. Like he wanted his dad to say something else to like tell him, no, you should stay. Yeah, but right. He like couldn't. Up until this point, Mufasa had been his voice of reason. With no one else left, the the only adult voice now is Scars. It's so manipulative and vile to see this play out the way it does because of how young Simba is. So Simba runs. So Simba runs. He bolts. Uh, he takes the his hyenas. The hyenas start chasing him. Uh, he goes through some thorns, and they decide they're not following him through the thorns, so he's good. He ends out. He ends up out in these wastelands that I guess are just at the edge of the kingdom. Yeah, this just endless desert where he is found by Timon and Pumbaa. <gasps> Gasp! A Mia cat and a warthog. Um. Oof. That was a pretty okay Timon and a pretty bad Pumbaa. I Pumbaa's difficult, right? Like. I don't think Pumbaa has that accent. Like, I felt like you kind of tried to give him, like, a Boston slash New York thing going on. I, I don't know I, what Pumbaa has. <laughs> uh, he has gas. Cool. Hey. That was a good joke. Your disdainful applause is what makes me feel bad, right? You know that, right? <laughs> so, Timon and Pumbaa save Simba, and... Well, they don't save they... Simba, right? They find Simba. And at they first, they're Simba like, from being eaten Ugh. by vultures, Andy. No, they don't. Yeah, they, they do. They scare away the vultures under false pretenses. But then they save Simba. Like they pick him up no. and go get him water. That's saving him. There, no, there is an entire conversation as to whether they should save Simba, and they no, decide as to yes. whether they should as to whether they should leave this lion out to die. Can we keep him? Or use him as insurance, <laughs> as protection from That's the other large and That's not what that means. How animals. dare you, monster. L- no, listen, I'm not saying that Timon and Pumbaa are bad people. You know, they're looking out for their own self-interest. Timon's kind of a bad person. Timon's kind of a bad person. I'm just saying that at this moment, they they don't they see Simba as an asset and it's only at kind of at the end of this scene where they start realizing oh he's like us mm, mm, mm. anyway they save simba they splash some water on him get him going again and simba starts to wander off into the desert again so they start singing hakuna matata to convince him i don't know to stay or to just like yeah not to be stay, so sad yeah. It's it's kind of a mixture of those things, right? Like uh, Timon and Pumb- Timon's kind of rationale is, you know, you gotta you gotta put your behind in your past. No, no. <laughs> I'm like I'm like really tired. <laughs> and meanwhile, I just I just know every line from this movie, from this movie. So... <laughs> yeah, I watch I, I don't watch this movie. I don't think nearly as often as you do. Um, I mean, I haven't seen it since the last time we did the podcast on it, but I used to watch this movie all the time. I think the movie that I used to watch all the time was Toy Story. That one I pretty much know line for line. Okay. So yeah, like basically they're like they're imparting their their lifestyle onto this kid, you know, like like why 
Why focus on and worry about things you can't change when you can just live with no worries? Hakuna Matata, baby. Which I personally this year am all for. Mm. Uh, you know, just chill, go through life as it as it comes, as it as it hits you, and just take it in stride and eat bugs. I think that's a big part of it. I don't know. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I have. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I um. No, hmm. I don't know, man. Did, what did I do to you? To <laughs> not you. It's it's the idea of living with no worries. Right. It's such. It's like. It's it's a hard sell to me, because there's so much that you should rationally be worried about. Yeah. And I mean, Timon and Pumbaa, they feel like the only thing they can do is not get eaten, so then they don't get eaten. Uh, But as Simba grows, and I guess helps them grow, it gets to be... Simba has this great destiny. He's supposed to go out and save the kingdom he abandoned, and they can't let him do that alone. And them having worries leads to, you know, the end of the movie? (laughs) The good end that we get? Living with no worries, um, taking each day as it comes and living a happy life is a childish way of looking at the world. I'm not saying that like people should spend every second of every day focused on all of the terrible things that they should be worried about, but there's something to be gained about at least taking the lessons that you learned from the past, internalizing them, and learning from them, and, and acting on those things. If well, but that's just... a different thing, though. That's what Rafiki wants. That's but, not and what that's, Timon and Pumbaa think. And, but, and that's exactly it, right? Is, is Timon and Pumbaa are appealing to this this childlike, I this this childlike idea that if I run away far enough, my problems will be gone, and that's simply not the case. I think Simba needs this very strongly. I... Not only I mean... is he unable to face his problems as he is at that point, mm-hmm. but. I think there is something to be said for ignoring a problem that is so big that if you don't get some distance from it, it will destroy you. No, it's it's a tough... Maybe not ignoring. Maybe ignoring is the wrong word, but you get what I'm saying. Like, you need to... It's a tough balance, but at, yeah. at some point you have to grow up. Yeah. And I think I think that's where that's where the that's where the tension in in the middle of this second act comes from. Speaking of which, Simba grew up halfway through, or most of the way through Hakuna Matata. I fucking love fucking teenage Simba with his weird oh my god mullet. He's his fucking awkward face hits him so hard, and then and then is gone. He's the dopiest looking lion <laughs> in the in the stage play. Um, just because this was my favorite part of the stage play, because in the stage play, uh, the in the Hakuna Matata scene, they have Simba, uh, like little kid Simba, swing across the entire stage on a vine, and then for the for the uh, bridge of the song, when it's his turn to sing again, an adult Simba swings back out, lands in the center stage, and then leads the dance number for the rest of the song, and it is one of the like I don't know, one of the most fun things to just see happen on stage. That's really cool. I like that. And I'm going to be talking about the stage play in one other scene that the stage play does super fucking cool. So the uh, the big change happens in Simba's life when he meets Nala again. And he meets Nala again because there's no food back in the Pride Lands. And she is... She, she says she went to find help, but I don't know if she's... Okay. Let me lay this down for a second. 
There's a deleted scene mm-hmm. that is That's in the, in the play. play where it turns out she leaves because Scar starts hitting on her. And you know what? Good decision, Nala. You can do better than that guy. And in, I think in the I think in the deleted scene, it's also like not until then that it's revealed that he was working with the hyenas. Like it's not until she's adult that the hyenas start showing up at Pride Rock and then she leaves. But anyway, the point is she left because there was no food or because she was kicked out or because she needed to find somebody to get rid of Scar for whatever reason. Basically, just go so that Scar doesn't hit on you, A, and then B, while you're out there, see if maybe you can find somebody, anybody to help us get out of this fucking mess because... And we learn, because as we learn later, Scar is somehow so incompetent or vile or unfair as king that he causes, like, an, a complete ecological disaster. Yeah, and it's, and I believe you told me that in the, in the play, it's more spelled out that it's mostly because he's letting the hyenas overhunt. Or making the lions overhunt for the hyenas. Yeah. And we sort of, you, you can sort of put that together in the movie if you, because they call them poachers and Mufasa keeps talking about the circle of life, which, you know. Yeah, and how, how um, you know. Scar doesn't care about stuff like that. But it's, it, it feels like, it feels like that, like a little bit that tells you why that happened was just not there. It's just cut out. So we meet Nala because she starts chasing down Pumbaa, probably because he looks delicious. A couple things about this. One. Warthogs, they're fucking mean. Warthogs are massively take out Nala. are massively like uh, terrifying. They're the last thing a lion wants to eat, and disgusting. That, I think like, giraffes. You don't want to eat warthogs hippos. or giraffes because they'll freaking kill you. Same with hippos. Hippos are absolutely hippos, vicious. There are some. There are some like bison that kind of look like Texas Longhorns. Mm-hmm. And they'll just fucking tear up a lion. Uh, I feel like there are. I feel like pretty much every animal I think <laughs> has something about nah. it that makes you just not want to fuck its day up. Except meerkats, you know. They're nah, basically you can take picks. out a zebra. Zebras are assholes. What are you talking about? But a lone lion shouldn't be going up against a lone, a lone warthog. It's probably not a good matchup. God, but yeah. I love this scene because it's a great chase scene. Even though both these characters are established as like not quite regular animals they both move like real animals and it feels good mm-hmm. and then simba goes and fights her and it's like oh it's nala and then they fall in love and uh here's the thing about this scene one of the things about this scene i guess i really mm. like this this whole deal but even as a kid i really appreciated the visual storytelling of simba pinning nala because we see like twice that their relationship is kind of defined as her being like better than him at wrestling and that just feels like a um like i don't know she's letting her guard down Mm -hmm. or giving him a degree of control and it's like this this good visual storytelling in this this cute disney scene it's interesting because you know like like these two people a are obviously in love with each other and have a have a dynamic but uh at the end of the day nala needs simba to come back right the stuff that she symbolizes for him this is actually 
There's a line in Lion King one and a half, which is amazing. Pumba says, um, he can't express his feelings and she has commitment issues. <laughs> and like, yeah. <laughs> like Simba expressly won't tell her why he decided to run away from his problems. And could I mean could she feel any more abandoned than she does when <laughs> Her best friend dies, and at the same time, everything starts going wrong at home. And I think you were, you were like, on your way to saying this earlier, but you, you might have stopped yourself. She represents everything that Simba has spent, like, the the last entirety of his life trying to forget. It's it's interesting the way they, they frame the scenery, because he sees her, and, like, like, anything, right? The first thing that he sees is his great friend, but mm. but with that also comes you know remembering all of the things that he left behind remembering the fact that his father died remembering that the feelings that it's his fault all of that comes back with nala so when she tries to talk him back into going back with her there's this 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 need that he has to keep running away from the problem and he does he he leaves and then we get everybody's favorite monkey rafiki rafiki who comes to show him the error of his ways. Let me tell you a story. Last week, my brother was in town. Mm-hmm. And we went to the zoo. Mm-hmm. And I was told by a volunteer that even though they call Rafiki a baboon in the movie, he's actually a mandrill, which is mm-hmm. not a baboon. Yes. And it took me considerable effort. Oh, so much effort. Not to say that Rafiki actually says that he's not a baboon in the movie. And I did I did not say this to this high school volunteer. <laughs> oh, you would have been such a piece of shit. I know. Um, um actually. Um, actually. Uh, let me stop you right there, child. Uh, <laughs> person who knows nothing about the life or the Lion King. Let me learn you a thing. Oh God! Um, <laughs> let me explain to you the errors of your ways. Uh, but I actually looked up the mandrill because I was curious about that. Uh, they were thought for a long time to be baboons, and they're just not. They're just not in the same genus. They're very like ugly looking things. Yeah, but also like kind of pretty. Like they have pretty colors, but like all together, it's kind of like a weird. They got a weird look going for them. Yeah. Anyway. Rafiki has this great, great scene where he where he tells he, he tells fucking Yoda's Simba all up in Simba's ass. Lot. He does. He Yoda's all over the place. We get this. Uh, we get the mirror. We get the um, reflection sequence, which is good. Oh, you can man. tell a good Disney movie if there's a good reflection moment. <laughs> Mulan. Mm-hmm. The Little Mermaid. Pocahontas too. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Oh man. This the, the, the symbolism right of the kings of the past, like watch over us from the night sky, is really mm-hmm. great, but it doesn't really hit you until like, you know, the like Mufasa himself like is just in the sky. Which is such a like deeply beautiful moment. In and in the movie it's like this amazing, it's like super well animated and I love it, but in the in the stage play I really the stage play does something amazing where Simba like 
on the ground, like, runs his hand through, quote-unquote, the water. Mm -hmm. Then these blocks up in the air spin, like, are spinning around. And, like, like, if you look closely, they're being carried by these dancers. And they basically align themselves, glowing, into this, like, facsimile of a lion's face. And then it starts speaking to him from, like, the heavens in this, like, booming over the entire speak the speakers of the theater and it's like so intense and so big it's so massive on stage it's it's a lot it's very heavy both visually and just kind of like emotionally right and one of the things that you can do in a stage play that you can't do in a movie is um like you know exactly where your audience is yeah and you know exactly how engaged they are at this moment and how to uh how to sort of reel them in and make them like feel like part of it more than a movie where like I could have been watching this on my phone. It's yeah, it's a, it's a different, it's a different dynamic, right? You have mm-hmm. a different relationship with your audience. The, this is where, you know, you get the, the, the famous line, you have forgotten yourself. And so you have forgotten me, which, which it, 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 it's, it's a reemphasis of the earlier lessons that Mufasa was trying to teach him, right? That, all that is left of people when they're gone are the things that they teach us. And by by running away from his problems, by forgetting, he has forgotten the things that his dad taught him when he was a kid. And that was all he had left are those memories. By running away, he has unintentionally left behind the person the person he wanted to grow up to be, which is his dad. That's the trigger that he needs, though, right? Like, it's what it's what eventually gets him to realize i can't keep running away from my problems now eventually he starts running like right then he just leaves yeah he just immediately starts running towards his problems which a little maybe take a day you know psych Here's yourself the thing. up he's still simba he's still simba right he's still he has that what was the word unearned unearned confidence unearned confidence even even in this moment of like doubt he has that unearned confidence Mm -hmm. so simba goes back he he goes back home nala timon and pumbaa join him they're all like assassin's creed into pride rock i guess (laughs) simba just walks up to scar and fucking knifes him that's the end of the movie done (laughs) reschiate in pace um That's a fucking was, stupid joke. I was drinking. <laughs> uh, I don't think I said it right. Uh, I think it's Requesquia in Pache, but I don't remember. Italian is like close enough to Spanish. Yeah, that's what I always learned. So, Timon and Pumbaa get their luau scene. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> where, they, where, they, uh, where they get the hyenas away from Scar. Meanwhile, Simba goes to challenge scar except sarabi's there which really throws a wrench in their whole sneaking up plan because he hits sarabi and simba is mad uh and there's a great scene where both scar and sarabi think he's mufasa that is such a cool thing you know like Mm -hmm. symbolically but scar he's got this thing in his back pocket he has a couple things in his back pocket actually he doesn't have pockets that's true he's a lion Scar. Scar is not somebody who does not have backup plans. What he has is like 
a couple hundred hyenas. So that's good. That's like that's like pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's all right. But our understanding is that the lionesses are tougher than the hyenas, and if they went one for one, the lionesses would probably win eventually. Especially if they're like led by by Simba instead of just like uprising. Simba has like a party-wide buff that he provides. Exactly. Yeah, I was gonna there was another time where I was going to make a and d joke, and I didn't. <laughs> I'm glad that you were the one to pop out with one. The other thing he has is Simba's self-doubt, which he has been nursing since the moment his dad died. And he basically convinces everybody there that he murdered Mufasa and then goes to push him off a cliff. But here's the thing. Here's, here's Scar's fatal flaw. He's been waiting to take responsibility for Mufasa's death since the stampede. This is the one thing he actually accomplished. He's a bad king. But he did manage to kill his brother, and fuck, he is proud about that. So he tells Simba about it, and that makes Simba make him tell everybody about it, and again, he doesn't seem all that torn out about it, torn up about it finally getting out. But then that makes the whole th- this this whole standoff turn into a an all-out brawl. And if you can call it a brawl when everybody's biting each other. Oh, and that's the thing, right? Is like Simba easily defeats Scar. Well, Scar won't fight him when they're together alone. Finally, after Rafiki and fucking Zazu and Timon and Pumbaa and the lionesses have have chased off the hyenas or are fighting them in a different part of the mm-hmm. of the uh, of the rock pride when rock. he's alone with scar scar immediately gives up mm-hmm. because he can't take simba in a, in a straight fight. fight but then he fucking cheats because he's the bad guy and but, hey you know what you remember swan lake too i try not to but yes swan princess too rather this is a good version of the scene where Derek, the fucking dipshit, was the dumb quote tricked by the most obvious thing, uh, the most obvious trick I've ever seen in my life. By this, like, um, what do you call it? The Henchman? just this fucking minion dude. What was his name? I don't fucking. It was remember. Knuckles. Oh yeah, Knuckles does a chuckle. <laughs> it's Knuckles. Uh, but this is, like, a much better version of it. Simba decides he's going to let Scar live because he's not a murderer. But he does say, run, run away, and never return, which is... Which is, like, the biggest middle finger that you could give yeah. to anybody in that moment. But then Scar does does turn on him, and even though it seems like Simba's, like, half expecting it, he does not expect to get just a face full of fire. Then they fight, and Simba wins... And Scar Simba, gets torn apart by hyenas. Simba didn't spend all of his childhood and one love scene getting tossed around by Nala without learning anything. He tosses Scar off the edge of Pride Rock, and Scar mm-hmm. survives. To be maybe killed by hyenas and maybe burned to death. It's unclear. Maybe both. Yeah, there, there, there's... It does not end with him living, that's for sure. He has finally lost all of his clout mm-hmm. with with the hyenas. With the hyenas. Heck, with everybody. I mean, he had been running that kingdom for Simba's entire childhood like, to adolescence, so like... 
he'd had clout, but now it's gone. And we get the, uh, it's raining. We get the scene. All the fires are going out. The rain's putting all the fires out. Simba roars and sort and... of reunites everybody. And we jump forward a few months or a year or two. And, and... Simba, Nala, Timon, Pumbaa, and Zazu are all on Pride Rock. And Rafiki brings out the new, the new child, which is definitely a boy. But I think we talked about that a bit in, in the Lion King 2 episode, so we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> so now we gotta go way back to before the beginning. Lion King one and a half, also known overseas as Lion King three Hakuna Matata. It means no worries. I this this fucking movie. Um, God, you know, I I, I said earlier that it that I, that 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 I felt fine watching it, but like, oh, I'm here sitting comes. here, I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking about it, and it's just, fuck. it's like a super good movie, huh? I. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> let's let's go with yes. Best it's movie two thousand four. It's a, such a such a good movie. I think it was two thousand four. Anyway, it's so good. Here's I the thing. I can't believe first seeing this movie. They do set the tone immediately. Yeah, they. Uh... <laughs> so, I just I'm not. I don't, don't want to do this anymore. Andy, all right. We've watched way worse movies than I this. I know we have. I'm not. This movie isn't bad. It's just boring. How dare! I would rather this movie be bad. All right, let me lay something down for you, Andy. Mm-hmm. When my aunt told me that she had started listening to the podcast, mm-hmm. she did so literally by texting me the words "porpoises are heroic." Everybody knows that. <laughs> and I did not remember what that could possibly mean <laughs> because I have not listened to that episode because editing it made me really sad because the first part's funny and the last half is depressing. And, Andy, this isn't a depressing movie we had to watch, okay? No, no, I just know. It's get just your head out of your ass, Andy! I just... All right, all right, all right. Let me... Let me try to... Let me... Let me... Let me try to do you okay, so what do you want from me? Do you want me to be mad about this movie or not or or just I, I just, just I have nothing. Goosey, do what feels right, do it in the moment. I'll this movie, start us this off. Movie, this movie the tone is set immediately with this movie because we start it's the beginning of the Lion King. We get the um I don't know what word that is or series of words. The, yeah, the Swahili introduction. Yes. And then Timon starts singing over it. And then fast forwarding, and we sort of zoom out to uh, like an MST3K <laughs> to Bone and Pumbaa sitting and watching The Lion King. And they start arguing about like, Timon wants to see the parts where they're in it, and Pumbaa's like, oh, we gotta watch from the beginning, and they decide they're just gonna watch their story. So then they go back before and the we beginning. get to Meerkat Manor. Which I say because I remember referencing Meerkat Manor a lot the last time we watched this you, movie. You definitely but did. But I don't know what references I made. Well, nobody's and ever I cannot remember it, right? anything about the show. 
I just remember that this scene reminded me of Meerkat Manor a lot, and that I then talked about that a lot. You talked about, we talked about Meerkat Manor, like, I had you pitch the show to me, essentially, for about 15 <laughs> minutes, if I, from what I remember. Oh, it's such a shame we lost that audio. <laughs> so Timon says, we're so low on the food chain, we're underground. And then we <laughs> go underground, and we get this, uh, the Meerkat song, which is them singing Dig a Tunnel. Everybody's singing Dig a Tunnel. While they're digging tunnels. It's okay. catchy, but it's not like a great. Song. It's it, it has it, it's catchy, but it has no substance. It stays with you though. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it it definitely does. The the purpose of this scene is to is to to show us what Timon's relationship is, not just with his family, but just with the entire Meerkat colony. He's mm-hmm. two... who are, according to Meerkat Manor, pretty closely related. Yes. Okay. But he's too, like every con man who grew up on the streets of New York, he's too big for his britches. That seems to be it. The thing is, Timon's a screw-up, but he's a screw-up because he hates his hometown. Yeah, he wants to He wants to live big. Get that pen. And he wouldn't be a screw-up if he didn't consider living underground beneath him. But dumb kish! That's the one pun I thought of while I took notes, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh really? Uh, 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 symbolism wasn't wasn't prescriptive. No, that was off the top of my head. Why? Wow, well, that one was better. So you know, you got a future in improv, I think. Uh, this is a garbage show. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, but that's 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 the conflict of 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 Timon's existence. Is he wants he wants to live big, but he's the he's so small. Mm-hmm. Well, and, like, every other meerkat has accepted that part of their lives is, like, running from animals. Is living in fear. Yeah, and he won't accept that, and it's part of what makes him a giant fuck-up. It's part of how he destroys a tunnel, <laughs> and so now they have to, like, that's super dangerous. Now they have to redig a bunch of tunnels. And we meet, we should say, because people don't know the characters in this in this movie, we do meet Timon's mom and Uncle Max. Max. And Uncle Max. Yeah, she goes by Ma. And Uncle Max, both of whom who are are played by like fairly big name actors. Uncle Max is an older comedian. Yeah, Jerry Stiller. Yeah, and uh, Julie. Kavner. And his mom is um Marge from The Simpsons. Yeah, she's overbearing. It's it's sort of reference that this might be why Timon is so kind of fundamentally broken by comparison to his. Mm-hmm. To the other meerkats. And Uncle Max is... It looks like he might be the oldest meerkat. Ever. Just, you just like, yeah. Just ever. And that age weighs on him. Because <laughs> he is alive because he has managed to run away for so long. He, he, he didn't get to the age that he is by daydreaming and thinking about who knows what and going who knows where. Now he dug his tunnels, he stayed underground... He earned those years. Wow, that was depressing. And yet, and yet the only, and yet the thing that seems to have made him older, single-handedly, is Timon's antics. <laughs> That's possible too. <laughs> it's possible he's just prematurely gray. Yeah. <laughs> they decide to put Timon on on some somewhere where he could do the least amount of damage. Sentry duty. Yeah. Sentry duty. All he has to do is is yell when uh, when something comes to eat them. <laughs> 
That's it. Well, this there's. Is, I. I, I wanna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be stopping this a few times because everybody knows the one-liners in Lion King. But nobody knows the one-liners of this movie, and some of them are really good. Some of them are, in fact, really good. There's a there's a sort of mirror scene of the Circle of Life, where uh, Timon's mom tells him that everything the light touches belongs to someone else, <laughs> and he says, "But when they die, they become the grass, and we eat the grass, right?" And Uncle Max says, "Not exactly. We can't digest grass. We're grass intolerant." <laughs> <laughs> And then another at another point he says, Applaud now, sonny boy, but try clapping when you don't have any hands. <laughs> These are good moments. Uh... And I will say this about this, particularly the early parts of this movie, although it's something that is still done uh, later, mm-hmm. there are a lot of unnecessary meerkat close-ups. Something that could be a wide scene is taken to just somebody's face. And I'm not sure why that decision was made. But it happens a few times, and it kind of bothered me. (laughs) Yeah, this movie is about as competently directed as uh, The Lion King 2. You know, they make some weird framing decisions. Yeah, it's like a lot of the sequel movies you watch aren't very competently directed at all. And it's not that that bad. And it's well animated, or at least as well animated as you could expect. Yeah. It's just, like, technically not amazing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, they put him on sentry duty. He pretty much immediately breaks into song. This is the second and final original song of the movie, which is also something that kind of bothers me, that they use other songs the rest of the movie, but they're not original. Well, no, they have some reprises, I believe, to some of the other songs, don't they? I think it's not until the very end. There's, like, a dig a tunnel reprise. But the other stuff is like, you know, Can You Feel Love Tonight, Hakuna Matata, The Lion Sleeps Tonight, but not original stuff. And I thought that was, eh. It, yeah, you know. Yeah, maybe they didn't have the money for a bunch of songs. That's fine. It's a real shame that they couldn't fit any of the amazing soundtrack of The Lion King 2 into this one. Inupendi, with passion fruit grows sweet. I hate that that song is in my head forever. I, I, I love, I love, because you hated that song so much when we talked about the movie, and yet it seems to be the only thing about that movie that stuck with you. That's why, like, that's part of why I hate it, Andy. Anyway. It's a good song. Mm. Anyway. So he sings, you lose your mind as he sings this fucking song about how he's gonna, like, find someplace great where he won't have to be eaten. He's gonna Fair. he's gonna find his own paradise, and the place that he imagines is pretty much like the actual place he finds, which is a little bit on the nose, but whatever. It's a comedy, right? It doesn't have to be funny. <laughs> but then, because he was singing instead of watching, uh, the meerkats get attacked by the hyenas, and because this is a sequel and not an original movie, uh, there are no fatalities. None. Uh, and then that was something we almost talked about at the top of the episode. There's a certain tone that is set here that stays the same because it's a sequel. Mm-hmm. Everything is a little bit less dire. We know where these characters have to end up. Well, but even these side characters, from a storytelling perspective, Uncle Max could die here. But because of the type of movie we're watching, we know he's not gonna. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The immense fuck-up uh, that is almost earning the honor of killing, of killing what seems to be world's oldest meerkat. 
basically has all of uh, Timon's cousins want out. He he he's gone. Like they want him gone. He's caused too much trouble. This was the last straw. Yeah, they used to want him dead, but now they only want him gone. <laughs> that was a portal reference, I think. Uh, yeah. So that's that was... where I'm at today. Oof. Oh, the height of comedy in 2008. <laughs> Fuck, that was 10 years ago. By the way, this movie came out in 2004. That's 14 years ago. Just want to throw that yep. out there. Nobody, okay, so everybody is, like, real pissed at Timon for almost getting them all killed. And Timon decides, he makes the decision, it's time to leave. And his mom doesn't want him to, but she's literally the only one who doesn't want him to. Yeah, everybody else is pretty much okay with this. Mm -hmm. He meets Rafiki, who, I guess, just occasionally wanders over to the Meerkat Manor and just hangs out. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> so, like, when when Timon meets him, he's at his tree, right? Yeah. But later, he's just, like, over there. <laughs> and, and he's explaining to Timon's mom, who he knows, apparently. Apparently. Like, he goes over for tea sometimes, I guess, or whatever. That'd be, you know what, that would be good. Because it's never explained why he's there or if they know each other. Like, if they just met and he was like, hey, I met this I assume he's there because he's hungry. Wow. Dude. (laughs) Aren't mandrels carnivorous? I mean, I think they're omnivorous. He, like, wandered over to get himself some, like, meerkat quinoa. And I don't know what quinoa is. And then was like, hey, I met your son. Great. It really doesn't make <laughs> sense, but it's, it's what, whatever. Well, the, the way they treat Rafiki is he is wherever he needs to be in that scene. Already the magical character, you know, but now he's... Yeah, now he can teleport, so. like, Gandalf. And I do want to say that, you know, that makes no fucking sense, but there's a bit of um, extra bought suspension of disbelief because Timon and Pumbaa keep like pausing the movie and commenting on stuff that's happening. There is a gag halfway through this movie that does that does not make sense anymore. Gag is that? It's when they it's when Pumbaa sits on the remote and changes it to a shopping channel. <laughs> that gag doesn't make sense uh and isn't funny today. TVs don't do that anymore. Yeah, and not only that but it's such a shitty it's quality, shitty right? Like it's so to, uh digital it's still analog to the digital <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so i i think i mentioned last time we watched it that 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 i'm so mad that that gag doesn't work anymore because it's, it's a, a good, good gag. gag and and pumbaa's fucking response to it is like just a weird great throwaway line which is i thought it was a brownie <laughs> <laughs> rafiki tells timon to look beyond what he sees to find Hakuna Matata. And Timon decides to take this literally. And looking beyond what he sees, he sees Pride Rock. So he decides to go to Pride Rock, starts traveling. Pumbaa sees him, and they meet up, and he starts traveling with Pumbaa because Pumbaa talks about how animals lose their appetite around him. And Timon assumes it's because he's vicious, and he is a warthog, so that makes a certain amount of sense. They travel together, and Pumbaa proves himself, one, somewhat educated, and two, very needy. Mm-hmm. At least, if not if not educated, then at least, knowledgeable. Like, like, uh, he's got some good ideas. He knows the word insectivore. 
somebody had to have told him what that means at some point. And Timon talks about how, you know, he's on his way now. He says, to protect me, I got a great big fat guy. Which I think is a great throwaway line. They spend they spend some time on it because Pumbaa pauses and asks him if he really thinks he's fat. So Yeah, you really think I'm fat? It's still not a great Pumbaa. I'm it's very difficult. like hey uh, uh, you gotta go so low and be there's like a wetness to his you voice that go, I can't like, do. I don't know, like work your lip maybe? I don't know how to do voices. <laughs> <laughs> is this anything? <laughs> that sounds like an evil Muppet. <sighs> oh, God, no. They I, go to Pride gonna... Rock, and they see the presentation of Simba. Now, I want to address something here, because in the timeline of this movie, this scene is what breaks it the most. Is it? Is this? Is it? This I think it's one? this one. Is it? Are you going? Are you, are you going to throw out a different scene that you think breaks the timeline more? I'm curious. I mean, I think the whole movie kind of breaks its own timeline in a okay. way, but go on. Well, I think this is the thing that most fucks up the timeline of this movie. So, there's a deleted scene where Timon sees the presentation of Simba as a child, and in this scene learns how unimportant he is. And this was deleted so the meerkats could be more removed from the kingdom, but then they added the presentation mm-hmm. later, when Timon was an adult, which makes this like weird continuity error because then the next day Simba is like I don't know eight. I just thought that was interesting. I mean, they obviously decided they well, needed the presentation to be part of this movie. Yeah, they needed to shit on that at, in somehow, right? The way they yeah hmm hmm <laughs> hmm yeah. Look, they they really filled this scene with hot air. Here's something I'm going to say about this movie. For a movie that relies so heavily on fart jokes, some so of them are pretty good. No, no, yeah, you know it. Like this, like the uh, like. I'm not like a fucking connoisseur the big, of the of, big of fart scene jokes, where but... where Pumbaa knocks out a bunch of animals and then the other animals start bowing. Kind of makes me cringe. But then when Pumbaa says, "Well, I don't like to toot my own horn," and Timon says, "Yeah, that's for the best," <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Well, the, 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 the jokes that are told that are about Pumbaa's uh, gas problem are better than the jokes in which Pumbaa f- like just like lets the, out a fat The joke one, is right? that he farts. Yeah, Cuts exactly. a big block of cheese. The ones where he's like, uh, I, where, uh, where he's like uh, Timon, I need a rest stop. And like I have a bad feeling. And Timon's like, oh, it'll pass. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> but the action, like the actual fart was... Uh, not great. Unnecessary. Yeah, I don't love it. They decide that, that, that this place is too crowded. There's too many people here. And for Timon to find his dream home, he needs to look beyond Pride Rock and he sees the waterfall. They go, not the waterfall, the water hole. They spend some time setting up. Timon's like, yep, this is the place. I'm going to stay here forever. I love it here. And Puma's like, well, I guess I'll just go. And Simone kind of relents and lets him stay. Turns out Pumbaa Ray made two beds because he's super needy. Uh, Pumbaa really knows how to make a friend, you know? You you say his name all the time, and <laughs> then you, uh, you you buy a condo unit with two beds pre-made for him. That's how you do it. It's how everyone has always done it. There's no other way. There's no other way Impossible. to make a friend. There's a pretty good gag where Pumbaa has to sleep in the tiny bed because... I don't know if Timon's, like, selfish or oblivious at that point. 
or both. It, the, the, this movie, I think this movie really, really m- manages to to walk the tightrope between selfish yeah. and oblivious for Timon. Well, the reason you can forgive him for being selfish is because of how oblivious he is. Exactly. Next day they wake up, and um, I just can't wait to be king is playing with the many animals that are part of it. And Timon, who does act like he's from New York, even though he's from, like, a tiny town, is like, oh, great, we moved into the theater district. And (laughs) here's the thing about this. I was never clear on why that stack of animals fell over in the first place. And angry meerkat seems as good a reason as any. Because he just starts hitting people with sticks until they fall over. Yeah, he's not a, he's not a, he's not a fan of supporting street performances. Exactly. But one of his criteria, right, for being in paradise is is the fact that it's quiet. What is he, he says, like, the elbow-to-elbow life reminds me too much of home. He doesn't want people around. He doesn't yeah. want... I mean, he grew up with a billion meerkats. He doesn't want all that. That makes sense. So Timon and Pumbaa yeah. have known each other for 24 hours now. And now it's our dream home. They fell into that so easily, they started calling it our dream home that they're looking for. Oh, yeah. They, 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 they're a match made in heaven. They go to the elephant graveyard. Timon decides, like, this place is terrible, but there aren't going to be any predators here because who would ever come here? And then <laughs> Sasatsu and um, Mufasa show up, which I think is great because I expected the hyenas to show up. Yeah. He watches Mufasa just beat the shit out of the hyenas and then decides to go. Then they go to that, um... The green yeah, cave, the, like, yeah. The, the, like, steam cave I... that, that <laughs> Scar Be prepared. does his thing in. I love this. I think of all the gags that they do, this one's my favorite because it's just, I believe, the shadows <laughs> on the wall. And they're just like, oh, hmm. Here's the thing. <laughs> Oh, a Nazi rally that's, just happened in our front yard. We should go. They, they like walked in on somebody planning a coup and just left. Uh, and the last place they go to check is is the gorge. What this place lacks in water and shade, it more than makes up for in uh, something like heat and blinding sunshine. It's really good. I, I, I like Timon trying to sell these places to himself. Then the stampede happens. Yeah. And they run away from that. And they end up going down a waterfall. Let's talk about continuity errors. We can do that. Because I was under the impression that they had been at the... At at the Hakuna Matata. Which is what I'm just going to call fucking that little oasis that they were at. The oasis that they were at. Forever. For a Mm -hmm. while. Right? They had had an established routine. Uh, They... things that they did every day you know that they had known each other for a while but in the context of this movie they had known each other for what maybe maybe a week week? here's the thing this movie sort of commits the sin that i see a lot of prequel movies do well this is more of an interquel interquel movies yes which is giving characters no time to breathe like if you really think about the end of rogue one versus the beginning of episode four even though I think those are both good movies, the fact that there's no time in between that is crazy. I actually really like that in, that specifically, though, right? Because the 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 implication that two minutes after all of this insanity happens and Leia gets the plants of the Death Star, that two minutes after that she has to, she like looks Darth Vader in the eye and is like, "Fuck you! I don't have shit." 
He was like killing his way onto her ship, and then she was like, "No, this is like a consular ship. We're fi- we're cool. <laughs> we're just make- we're just making our way through." But yeah, I have the question: How long have Timon and Pumbaa been in their new home before Simba shows up? Like a few days tops, less than a full day, if maybe. That. No, because because the stampede is the day that Simba runs right, away. So, but and well, that's the, the day question that is, they also how leave. long does it take you to wander the desert to get there? And I don't know, a couple it's... hours, a couple days, however long that is, that's how long they've had. Until Simba shows yeah. up. Yeah, but I, I have a couple other notes before even that, where uh, Timon has decided he's given up looking for his dream home, and he's going to go back home. And he tells Pumbaa to do the same thing, and Pumbaa tells him he doesn't have a home. We never really learn Pumbaa's backstory. We know a bit of it because of the Hakuna Matata song in the first movie. When he was a young warthog, yeah. you know. But Very we nice. don't really learn how he ends up with nobody in the world. And as far as I can tell, if the is if that song is to be believed, it's because he has like a bowel problem. And that's fucking tragic. Because Pumbaa is the nicest person. Yeah, he he's a sweet dude. He's just he's just the coolest guy. And the fact that everyone abandons him because he's gassy is terrible and he's just like so lost and alone it really bummed me out when i stopped to think about it i mean obviously the big crying eyes thing was played for last but it bummed me out (laughs) however the next scene did have me imagining a bunch of writers trying to come up with rhymes for hakuna matata that made any earthly sense i do like what they came up with (laughs) What was one of them was like uh, something frittatas? Yeah, it's like hot tuna frittata? Or was it like legumes on a plata? To... Yeah. I've got a lambada. I've got a lambada. It's great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good bit. And they go into Hakuna Matata and they have what is either an unnecessary gay panic moment or necessary gay dad moment. Your choice, you decide. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, they, yep, the, they really, they really, oof, they really flip a coin on that one. <laughs> they do a, uh, they do like a Lady in the Tramp thing with a worm. Anyway, then we get, to, then we get to They lock eyes and they lock lips and they realize maybe we're meant to be together forever. Maybe we're going to raise a son someday in like a day, maybe or a couple of hours. <laughs> I'm not ready to have kids the next day. Oh shit! <laughs> so we get a parenting montage, is what we get, uh, and it's a montage between these two songs, "The Lion Sleeps Tonight," and a song that must be called "Jungle Boogie," because as far <laughs> as I can tell, that's the only lyric in that song. There is a song called "Jungle Boogie" on the uh, soundtrack list, so you know. Okay. I really like this parenting montage because it kind of shows us that Timon is, like, feeling the weight of responsibility for Simba while Pumbaa keeps a cool head in all these situations where he's in danger. But at the same time, Timon's the one Simba keeps going to when he needs something. I definitely talked last time about how this movie really goes into what it what it must have felt like for, like, these two dudes who don't fucking know anything to suddenly be raising a kid it's kind of a great movie about two dads once you get there yeah it does take a little while to get there i'll say that but that is my favorite part 
I also love the line, I'm gonna get old walking across this thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, because that's just, uh, yeah. It's, it's a good, it's a good uh, meta joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should also mention again, Teenage Simba just looks like a fucking... Well, the, 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 the other thing is, just before we get to that, one guess as to what he had a nightmare about. Ugh. Rough. Ugh. Rough times <laughs> in The Lion King. But yeah, then we get to Simba's awkward phase, which, as it turns out, was awkward. <laughs> a lot of a lot of uh, that uh, a lot of that ego egotistic streak going on. But he just also looked like a fucking tool. Couple things about this scene: since so it's, it's an eating contest between Timon and Simba, because Timon <laughs> doesn't want Simba to have like outclassed him, and they're eating snails. And the music behind it is... Do you know what music this is? I don't know. It's the, the the music in, like, every Western, and I know it has a name, and I can't remember it. Is it the good, the bad, and the ugly? It might be. That, like, whistle. The, the, yeah. The, like, whistle. That was very good. Thanks. I've um, been doing it since I was four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but here's, here's the thing about the scene. So Simba ends up winning. Uh, and it goes into sunrise sunset which we will get to because i love that scene but timon can almost out he can almost eat more than an adolescent lion which is pretty impressive for for such a small creature uh-huh. although by the end of it he isn't that small i don't know that belly goes away pretty quick yeah it does he, he's got a fast metabolism I have written in my notes that the sunrise-sunset scene is both hilarious and amazing, and then in capital letters, but somebody won't get it. Because somebody on this call, somebody mm-hmm. who hosts a podcast with me, yeah, has somebody. not seen <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fiddler on the Roof. Still haven't seen it. And does been... not appreciate <laughs> This good, good scene. I didn't even remember it. I don't even know what you're talking about. I, I know! This movie like a, week, a couple weeks ago. I was like, fucking, I don't even know what sunrise, sunset, what is that? What's, what, what? Uh, yeah, no, I don't get it. I still don't get it. Uh, so basically. Maybe someday. Classic song out of a classic musical slash movie. A musical is classic and then so is the movie. Unforgettable, some might say. It's uh the wedding scene. Maybe the first wedding scene. I can't remember if there's more than one wedding scene. <laughs> they might only do one wedding scene, and then it's a, and then we, you know, the other daughter gets married too. Fine. <laughs> but I didn't, they, I didn't even know there was a wedding in Fiddler on the Roof. And Fiddler on the Roof is a story about fathers and daughters. Andy, come on, we're not going to get into Fiddler I... on the Roof. I cannot. St- I can't tell you the whole point of Fiddler on the Roof so that you can understand. Why sunrise? Why this sunrise sunset scene is so good? <laughs> uh, all I need to understand is: is there a point in which somebody fiddles on a roof? I don't think so. Then what? Why? Why call it that? It's been a while. I think it's a metaphor. False advertising. Also, maybe in the beginning of the actual play, that actually somebody does fiddle on the roof. Oh, okay. but I well, think it's funny. sort of a, a backdrop thing. I just, I just, I can't start to explain to you why the sunrise sunset scene is good. <laughs> Listen, just but, maybe someday I'll watch Fiddler on the Roof, and then watch The Lion King one and a half. 
This jacuzzi joke is possibly the greatest fart joke of all time. <laughs> oh man, and and the 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 golden hot tub for best fart joke goes to. It's a very good fart joke. <laughs> it it's it is it's pretty it's all right it's pretty good. So in the beginning, uh, when we first see the their little slice of paradise, they talk about how there's a hot tub, and they have gone back to the hot tub a couple times. But this time, when Pumbaa gets out, all the bubbles stop. Is the joke. That scene ends with them all going to sleep. And we never see Simba's sleeping situation in The Lion King. So I like that this kind of establishes that he slept with his two dads into his adulthood. And it'd just be a really awkward part of the story for him to tell, so he just leaves it out. Look, it stopped his nightmares, okay? But doesn't, doesn't, Nala, doesn't Nala, like, sleep over at their place for at least a night? Yeah, but he's already gone. Oh, yeah. Exactly. She never has to find out. <laughs> what Nala don't doesn't know won't hurt her. And it's it's a different culture. It's not that weird, maybe. It's a different culture that's also basically college. So like you didn't it's sleep fine. in your parents you didn't sleep in your parents' bed in their bedroom until until uh, until you were you were an adult? Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you joke, but, like, genuinely different cultures do do that, and I don't want to, like, stomp on other people's cultures. No, no, I, uh, yeah, I guess. Um, I'm just I saying, like, like we have I... we have a couple international listeners, which is crazy, and maybe they're just bots. I don't know. That's... <laughs> but I want to be sure. Yeah, but no, I just, it's weird, it's weird for me, like, the moment I turned 18, I was out of my house. I understand. But that's because I'm a free spirit uh-huh. stallion of the Cimarron. Stallion of the Cimmerillion? No, really it's like a Tolkien? Cimarron. It's a Cimarron. It's a, it's a type part of the plane, Great Plains. Ah, oh. how dare you! <laughs> so we get that. Can you feel the love tonight? Scene, which I already we, we already pretty much talked about. It's really good. You mm-hmm. know, it's got a it's, good, it's a good dad moment. It's a good dad. A lot moment. of good dad moments in this movie. Then we cut to the next day. We get a scene that I like because it does feel like something that could have happened in the original Lion King, which is Timon yeah. and Pumbaa having to hear about actually what happened with Scar and Simba again from Nala. Yeah. And Timon says, be a deer and just skip to the part about Simba. Not that your childhood wasn't <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, Nala runs off to go after Simba. Pumbaa goes after her, but Timon says if Simba left, then he left, and he's not gonna just abandon everything he knows. And so he is... It's unclear as to the amount of time Timon hangs out alone. I assume, like, an hour. (laughs) Yeah, it can't have been that long because we need to catch up with the rest of the movie. And Rafiki has stayed behind... No, so Rafiki has shown up. No, well, here's the thing. I have... Okay, this is... I'm gonna combat this a back way. I've been playing KOTOR 2 again because I play video games when I'm sick. And there's a scene where you have to, like, defend a governor from, like, being killed by a bunch of mercenaries. And one of the things you can do is, like, go up to random people who you know and tell them to temporarily join the army. And it felt like that's what Rafiki was doing. Like, walking up to Timon and being like, Hey, shouldn't you also, uh... Shouldn't you also go, like, I'm trying to stack the deck in my dude's favor. Shouldn't you, uh, be out there? Shouldn't you be there? Fighting, fighting the good fight. You know, with the pig and the lions. 
Yeah, it just it really bothers me how how Rafiki just fucking <laughs> manifests. But it, it, it he seems more because in 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 the Lion King and to a lesser extent the Lion King too, people run into Rafiki. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, Rafiki seems to run into Timon. Well, if you think about it, I mean, the first time Timon did run into him, this time he would have already been there because he spent the night convincing Simba. I like the idea that he hangs around just to make sure nobody else needs convincing. He manages to convince Timon that... Well, Timon convinces himself. Well, yeah, so Rafiki says nothing and Timon convinces himself. Which is a, a a pretty fun scene. Timon, like, roleplays Rafiki, telling him what to do. That maybe Hakuna Matata was the friends we made along the way. Oh my god. And... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, so... We go to... I can't believe that's the moral of this fucking movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, fuck this movie. This movie's amazing. We go to Pumbaa, who is doing that, like, that, like, run through the desert that Simba does. (laughs) <laughs> I forgot about that. And then Timon runs past him because he's doing it super slow. Uh, and he tells him he was giving him time to catch up. And they go catch up to Simba and it cuts to the Lua it cuts to the hula scene. But it skips the hula scene and then keeps referencing it, which is a cinema crime. They should have just kept that scene. Maybe they didn't want to do the same joke as the other movie, but the fact that, like, the whole time he's still in the hula skirt, I felt like meant that they should have kept that scene. They really should have, because it's kind of a continuity, just in terms of, like, they've already spent the whole movie referencing other bigger scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Why not this one? It's weird. Well, they do reference they... the scene all the time, but then they, like, just don't actually show it. Yeah, but, so yeah, weird. it's it's very odd. Timon and Pumbaa like run from the hyenas after the luau. We get a we get a fart joke, which I found disappointing because my favorite scene, my favorite Timon Pumbaa scene in the first movie, is when Pumbaa just kicks everybody's ass. Oh yeah. And they changed it, so now it's a fart joke, which is fine, I guess. It's fine. So then uh, Timon's mom and Uncle Max show up. Okay, so I have a question here. How long has Timon's uncle and mother? How, how long have they been away from home? Years? Or do they just, like, go searching every once in a while for Timon and, like, go back home? Like, do they go on the anniversary of his leaving? Or when they hear that a tunnel has collapsed somewhere, do they go out and check? That must be him. My boy. That actually makes sense. That actually makes perfect sense. (laughs) That that they heard about, like, oh, a bunch of animals fell on a bird. That must be him. (laughs) My boy. (laughs) They overthrew the king of the Pride Lands. That must be him, my boy. (laughs) (laughs) So Timon convinces convinces them to dig a bunch of tunnels because they're going to build a trap for the hyenas so that they can... Oh yeah, I forgot that like an earlier bit in the film is that Uncle Max is like the best digger, right? Wasn't that a thing? I don't know if that's exactly it, but he definitely like, like he's good at it. Again, he's the oldest meerkat. He, like, knows this shit. Yeah, he didn't get there from sitting on his butt and daydreaming right. all day. He also teaches Timon to, um, to be sentry. So, like, I think he's just, you know, the wise one, kind of. But wise in meerkats is also terrified. So he convinces them to dig the tunnel while they go to lure the hyenas in. 
And they go insult the hyenas and get them all to chase them. So they need to... This is so stupid. <laughs> oh yeah, is it? Is it? Is it stupid? It's like really good though. I love it. They they need uh-huh. to they need to buy some time while <laughs> Timon's family keeps digging, and so he, in a last desperate attempt to stop them from eating him, asks Shenzi to marry him. But here's the question, and I remember asking it last time. How does Timon know Shenzi's many middle names? Because she's got like seven. She's like Shenzi, Marie, Jekyll Dora, Madalena Hyena or something. Yeah. I think there was a Juanita in there too. And then he like keeps talking about it while she's coming in for the kill. And he says... There's I, I I know there's a lot of questions like what will the children look like and it cuts to Pumbaa who is just frozen with a gasp on his face. He's like he's completely horrified. He didn't see this twist coming. <sighs> so they do get the um, they buy enough time. Basically, long story short, they get the trap to work. The hyenas fall down it, and it seems like through a tunnel that spits them out at the bottom of Pride Rock is, I think, what's going on. Yeah, that's, I think, what happened. And then Scar falls in, and they win. The movie ends very much like, you know, we get we, we get to the, the same end that the Lion King does. We get Simba roaring, mm-hmm. except now Timon and Pumbaa say, that's our boy. And, mm-hmm. again, I like that. And, and Timon brings all the meerkats to... The, the Oasis. Yeah, the Oasis, where they all live now. Except, I mean, canonically, Timon moved out, so I guess he still gets what he wanted, which was not to live with a bunch of meerkats. Well, he lives at uh, Pride Rock, right? He becomes yeah. uh, Simba's kind of... I don't know, just like buddy? Like advisor? Entourage? Babysitter? Did you say... Did you do entourage? <laughs> <laughs> I still think it's funny. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Even oh, after boy. all these years. Alright. <laughs> and the movie oh, proper wow. ends in this almost Mel Brooks joke. Where, where I am to understand that Pumbaa's fart empties a theater full of Disney characters. <laughs> and that's it. That's the movie. What'd you think? Uh, I still think it's bad oh, that's disappointing it's a very good movie i don't everybody should watch it, it doesn't it make instead of simba's pride or you know everybody could watch a good movie like simba's pride it's a bad movie it really isn't though isn't it though no it's not andy think about it like this are you do you really think it's a good movie or yes are you building everything off of your insane sexual attraction <laughs> okay, wait. Okay, wait. Wait, 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 wait. I, I am not sexually attracted. <laughs> I am not sexually attracted to Kovu. Okay, mm-hmm. I just appreciate. You know, I've, been, I've been, I've been editing podcasts for a while. It's really easy to cut a knot out of a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Let me dig my own hole, right? Don't put me in one. I apologize. I just appreciate that Kovu for a lion is very attractive. I still think that 
The Lion King 2 is a better film. That's really Because troubling. it has a point. It has a point for its existence. How dare you. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess you don't like a story about two gay dads <laughs> raising their beautiful lion baby. <laughs> if this movie was, was more than just uh, one third that, I would have liked it. Oh. <laughs> How dare. I don't know. I guess not bad. If you're gonna, if you're gonna watch a, a sequel to The Lion King for some reason, flip a coin. Okay. If you like bad comedies, watch The Lion King one and a half. If you like bad romances, watch The Lion King two. I don't think The Lion King two works as a bad romance though. It's a thing. You're right because it's such a like good romance. romance. You're like, what? Bland. How, how, how beautiful their love is. Okay. So thank you for listening to Direct to Video. VHS? VHS? Oh my god! Season 2. I forgot! I forgot! Oh, got me. Got me good. I've been your host, Tony Robusto. And I've been your host, Andy. Actually, The Lion King 2 is the best Reyes. You can find me on Twitter at royalty underscore balance. You can also find me at my website, lionkingtwisthebest.com. Andy has admitted that... He has died on hills that many would consider valleys. And I think this may be... Low, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. Oh my god. I say The Lion King 2 is a good movie. Oh my god. Fuck me, man. Uh, (laughs) 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 I don't know. Go find me on Twitter. At Theater Bats. And then... Mm -hmm. Sorry? And where can they find all your other stuff? I was gonna say thank you, Andy, for that, that beautiful interruption. I have a comic that you can find at spreadbytrueevents.org. Today's comic, Everybody's a Sloth, so that's nice. Oh, that's, that is nice. That, yeah. that sounds very pleasant. And there's a link in the description to my Pokemon fanfiction, which you can read in its entirety. And uh, you can find our podcast and some uh, extraneous uh, content at direct2.video. We got a lot of cool stuff there, like a teaser that I actually really like. I keep on thinking that I should, like, make an updated one with, like, shit from more recent episodes. Yeah. We'll I mean, that that one that one was, like, pre... We, we have more than, I think, double the amount of episodes we've done, I think, since you, you released that. That one was, like, the three first episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So, oof. Whoa, weird to think about. Yep. And you can find our theme song, Penguins on Parade, by Lee Rosevere on music for podcast three uh at freemusicarchive.org i believe yeah i think that's it that's also in the description if you yep are super lazy and just want to go click on it i'm not going to judge you for that i'm sometimes lazy you sh- and while you're being lazy and just clicking on stuff you can uh go to itunes or google play or stitcher or one of your one of the places you love to get your podcasts and leave us a your review local podcast watering hole make it a make it a five-star review because you love us. I think the way search algorithms work, it could be any kind of review. We just want those reviews, honestly. I want a five-star review, Andy. Don't take this away limit, from me. I don't want to. I don't want to limit. Right. I don't want to bias our our like like if you if you want to give us a, a review, just give us a review. And if you don't want to give us a review, give us that review anyway. I'm gonna buy. I want to bias them. Give us a five-star review. <laughs> what no, are you I'm talking saying, like, about? Like, if, if their only option is to give us a five-star review, what if some of them are like, oh, well, then I'm not going to give them a review. No, give us that review. You know, we'll, we'll take it. I'm not picky. I just want attention. 
Oh boy. Okay. I'll tell you what. We can give you attention. Uh, if you send it to us, we'll read it on the show because we might not see it because, like I said, we have listeners in other countries. And I don't know how to find stuff like that. I, I genu- Yeah. I. I still. I don't really know how to run the. How to do any of that logistical stuff. Mm-hmm. Next week we'll be watching Cinderella. Cinderella 2, Dreams Come True. Oh, God. And Cinderella 3, A Twist in Time. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. He said next week. I cannot stress enough how much this one's going to be sorry, two weeks sorry. away. <laughs> two weeks. Sorry. Let me, let, me, let me do another take. Let me do another take. No, no, no. no. It's good. It's good. It's good. I'm the ghost of Josh. <laughs> and possibly the ghost of Tony Robusto. <laughs> Most other podcasts watch one movie. I had never seen The Lion Guard. I got to watch a bit of it because it was I was like okay. I was walking through Walmart and it was on one of the TVs and there was this box that I believe was a collection of episodes that just said Lion Guard: The Rise of Scar. Motherfucker. And I, I don't know what this does. Is this like a Darth Maul situation? Does Scar come back with two with robot the spider legs? legs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh no.